improve Earn my way back to you Fix my faults, right my wrongs Make sure it looks like I belong But then you speak something new I recognize what is true It's not about what I can do Cause all the chose to be here. Fact is that God wants a relationship with you, so much so that he would send his own son so that you can see what it's like to know who he is, to know about him. We see in the book of John, they refer to him as the word of God, his representative. I want to make sure that as we come into this time of worship, this name that we wear, the, the fact that we're part of this family means that 
Jesus Christ has given us an entrance into it. His Word, He is the Word of God. Be mindful of that as we worship God for what He has done and the relationship that He wants to have with you today. Stay standing with me here. We're going to do this real quick. We're going to go back to the very beginning of this song. The very first line is so powerful. It says, you were the word at the beginning. And that's foundational for everything that we're going to be talking about today. We've got a belief statement this week I want to introduce you to, and it's this. I believe the word of God guides my life. You really believe that? That he has revealed himself through scripture, but it's not just a book, but that it is Jesus in the flesh. That his existence showed us and proved to us who God is. And that's powerful. It makes the words on the pages come alive, doesn't it? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to finish this song. We're going to step back into it right at that same spot. You were the word at the beginning. And then from that, we're going to step into a video. It's a, it's a clip from The Chosen that is uh, this powerful moment where, where Jesus has been given the opportunity to lead worship in the temple. And he's with John, and they, they work through what is the passage that he wants to read from. And, and John tells him, why don't you choose the creation account 
And I love that you're not going to see in this, in this clip, but just before the clip that you're going to see, Jesus says, oh, yes, I remember it well. That's awesome. And then he goes and he begins to read this story. And you can see young John experiencing that text in a brand new way as he watches Jesus read those words. And then later, as you flash forward into John's life, he begins recalling how he wants to share his gospel, how he wants to reveal this Christ to the, word, to the world. And he starts with the word. You were the word at the beginning. Let's step back into that song. A reading from the first scroll of Moses. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning was the Word. And the earth was void and without form. And the Word was with God. And the darkness covered the face of the deep. And the word was God. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. it's an honor to be here by your invitation so we pray that the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our hearts will please you in the name of Christ we pray amen glad you guys are here wouldn't it be amazing to hear the word of God read the word of God 
That's what you saw in that last scene. It's pretty amazing. By the way, I'm just going to kind of go back over what we're doing here in this series. I know it's confused a little bit because we've been pushing this book, Believe. We've got it in our connections room for five bucks, great deal on it. And basically, over the course of this year, we're just working our way through it a chapter at a time. But we're calling the series Unfiltered, even though the book's called Belief. We're looking at the beliefs that we have, unfiltered, not watered down in the least, not dolled up, not watered down. Just what do we believe? What are the basics? And basically, we're going just a chapter at a time, right? Today, we're going to be dealing with chapter four on the Bible. Now, the sermon is just going to cover the big theme of the Bible. When you get into the book and read chapter 4, it just it takes you much deeper. It takes you all over the Scripture as it's talking about the Scripture. It's just good stuff. Just encourage you to get a copy of that, follow along. Wednesdays, we kind of follow it up. Ben and I are teaching a class in the Student Worship Center, and we're just going deeper than what we can do on a Sunday morning. And then, of course, each week there's going to be some memory verses that are going to be on your uh, communion stations that you can pick up and just encourage you to just be putting this word in your, in your head. Now, I'm going to be preaching this sermon in two parts this morning. First, I'm going to talk about the what, and then I'm going to talk about the so what. What first? We're going to talk about the Bible. What is it? What do we, why do we care? And what are you going to do about it? But I'm going to start off by showing you some pics from maybe my favorite website. It's called the Babylon Bee. Ever heard of the Babylon Bee? All right. Here goes some pics on the Bible. Man who doesn't read the Bible, also the chief authority on what Jesus would do today. Ever met that guy? People who uh, think, tell you what they think Jesus would say or do when they have absolutely no clue what the real Jesus did or said. This next one's pretty funny. Man is struck dead after rating the Bible app just four stars. Mistake, guys. Big mistake. Five stars always, okay? Or this next one. Progressive Christian believes everything about God except the Bible stuff, right? You've seen it. There's a whole lot of people out there who are really, really fond of their imaginary God, right? Now, this one may describe some of you guys right now. Man pretending to read a Bible app just scrolling Twitter totally fools God, right? You guys aren't fooling God, right? I don't know what you're looking at on your phone. You're acting all spiritual stuff. Now, here's one that's really, really good. I suspect most of us have tried it. Bible briefly consulted to see if it supports an already formed opinion. You don't want to dig too deep if it's starting to clash with your opinion. After all, if it clashes with your opinion, it's just an old antiquated book, right? Now, this next one is perfect for an election year. Zondervan releases a hollow Bible for political photo ops. I think they've got them on both sides of the aisle. They just grab this big Bible and they get photographed with it. They don't have a clue what's inside. This one is for cancel culture. You ready? Bibles pulled from shelves for outdated idea that all humans are of one race and made in the image of God. Who in the world would believe some nonsense like that? Except us Jesus followers, of course. Actually, I'm going to talk about that next week. And this last one may be my favorite. Here it is. Sad. Really sad. This pastor foolishly spent three years in seminary when he could have been educated on the Bible by an internet atheist for free. <laughs> I mean, they're always telling you what it says, right? That's pretty funny to me. A few weeks ago, I actually ran across this article in the Daily Wire. It's titled, Is the Bible Still Relevant? And it opens with this quote. On June 30, 2022... 
Someone named Robert posted this comment on our ministry's YouTube channel with reference to the Bible. This Robert says, Why would anyone in the 21st century give an expletive, that's not what he used, about what illiterate desert dwellers from 2,000 years ago thought about anything? Huh. Illiterate, right? And yet they wrote a book that has changed the world and has lasted for millennia. Anyway, the guy who wrote the article explains this. He says, in writing this, this dude reflected the views of many people today, especially men in the younger generation who wonder, why on earth should I care what this outmoded, outdated book has to say? What does the Bible have to do with me? Ever heard that? Felt that? Said that? He goes on to cite a Gallup poll from last July found that 20% of us Americans now say that the Bible is the literal word of God. Almost one in five. Nearly one in three say it's a collection of fables, legends, history, and moral precepts recorded by man, which marks the first time that significantly more Americans have viewed the Bible as not divinely inspired than as the literal word of God. So why do we care? We Jesus followers. Why do we care about this ancient book that so many are rejecting? And some people out there hate this book. They hate it, it seems. Last, last summer, some pro-abortion protesters in Seattle were filmed kicking a Bible around like a soccer ball before finally picking it up and tossing it into a porta potty well, Just last week, some students up in Madison, Wisconsin were tearing up Bibles one student was chewing on the pages to protest this guy who was defending a biblical view of sex and gender. Bottom line, it doesn't take a whole lot of courage to disrespect the Bible because we Jesus followers are really good at tolerance. Can you imagine if they tried that with the Koran? Well, they should thank God that we Jesus followers are different. So, why do we care? Why are we so defensive about this aged, archaic book? How many of you guys remember the old slogan, the Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it? It's not persuasive anymore. Remember that old children's song? Jesus loves me, this I know. Do you know how we know, it says? Because the Bible tells me so. Why do we care with this aged, archaic book says. And yet we Jesus followers do. Do you know why? Do you know why? Let me show you. I'm going to start out with a series of questions. Number one, here it is. Is there really a big G God? What if there is? We talked about this three weeks ago. We think there is. What if there really is an eternal, transcendent omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, perfectly holy, perfectly good God. What if there really is such a God? Number two, what if for some crazy reason that big G God created us to do life with him? We think he did. What if he's actually a personal God? We talked about that two weeks ago. We think he did. We believe that big G God gave us the freedom and the invitation to do life with him, but we're a cantankerous sort. 
and we messed up big time. So, what if for some crazy reason that big G God still loves us? And what if he actually devised a way to save us from the consequences of our sin? How would you know? How would you know? What if that big G God actually entered into our world as Jesus to reveal to us God's truth, to communicate to us how to be saved? We can't pull that off on our own. We think God did. Number four, what if that big G God actually wants to give us some answers to the big questions that we have? You know, who are we? Does anything matter at all? Where are we going? Why is there so much pain in the world? How are you going to find answers to that kind of stuff beyond your own imagination? And what if our creator, our designer, the guy who has a right to write the instruction manual, what if he wanted to give us some instructions on how to live life to the fullest, his way, how he designed a great life to work? How would we know? What if our God wants to give us some tips on love and marriage and family and work and ethics, you know, all that practical stuff? How would you know? Would you care? Would you care if the creator, the designer, the big G God, what he has to say about salvation, about who you were meant to be and how you were meant to live? I mean, we claim that we have this insatiable appetite for information. In fact, we call this the information age, right? <laughs> but we tend to blow off any information that clashes with our feelings. Feelings trump facts for us. Happens all the time. We date somebody. We know it's a bad idea. We do it anyway. We buy something we can't afford. We know it's a bad idea. We're kind of like the same way with God. What if there is a big G creator God and he really is trying to communicate with us? Do you think it's wise? Do you think it's smart to blow him off because you don't particularly like what he has to say? That's kind of dumb. Now, you don't need a Bible to know some things about God. I mean, the Apostle Paul put it like this. He says, people know the truth about God because God has made it obvious to us. Ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky through everything God has made. We can clearly see his invisible qualities, his power, his divine nature. We have no excuse for not knowing God. And Paul is right. For the vast majority of history, the vast majority of us humans for all of time have figured there has to be some kind of God. In the history of the world, there have been very, very few atheists. And yet, Paul says, although they knew God, they wouldn't worship him as God. No kidding. They wouldn't even give him thanks. So they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. No kidding. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Because if you get to make up your own God, this thing's going to get crazy. And it has. You see, by using our eyes, by using our minds, our reason, most people know there must be some kind of God. But you're never going to get to the real big G God unless you use your ears. Understand? 
the whole idea that this eternal, transcendent, omnipotent, omniscient God actually cares for little old me, that he loves me, that's mind-blowing. The whole idea that this perfectly holy, perfectly good God would care for critters as unholy and as ungood as we are, it's mind-blowing. What person could have ever guessed that the transcendent creator God would actually step into our world as one of us to die in our place? Gods can't die, we think. Guys, the big G God that Jesus reveals to us is not a product of a fertile imagination. No one could concoct such a stunningly selfless, stunningly gracious, yet perfectly holy God. It would be unbelievable were it not for the resurrection. See, guys, if a big G God created a mind-blowing way for us to be saved from our sin, sending his own son to die for us, we're not going to reason ourselves to that, to God's path. If this big G God established a system of right and wrong, we might come close, but we can only be confident listening to him. If this big G creator, designer God wants to give us some instructions on how to live life to the fullest, we're going to have to listen because, guys, a lot of times God's way is counterintuitive at first. If this big G transcendent God wants to tell us how to find eternal life, how would you even know there's such a thing as eternal life without revelation? Do you understand the danger of closing your minds and your eyes and your ears if the big G God actually wants to reveal stuff to us? You see, guys, our faith, our faith in God is built on God's revelation of himself. Our faith is not built on our speculation about God. It's built on God's revelation of himself. It's not based on our deductions about God. It's God's revelation of himself. Revelation. Now, I'm not talking about the book of Revelation at the end of our Bible when God kind of tells us what's coming. I'm talking about the fact that the only way we can know anything for sure about an eternal transcendent God is if he chooses to reveal himself to us in some way, which is what he did. And we believe that God's revelation of himself trumps any human speculation about what we want God to be like. It's not about our wish list for God. It's about shutting up and listening when God whispers. You see, guys, this self-revelation of God is a really, really big deal. Bottom line, and I know this sounds rude, I don't care what you think God is like. Bottom line, I don't care what I think God is like. I want to know who God really is. And if the real big G God reveals himself to us, I want to listen. And that's what the Bible's all about. God revealing himself to us. It's not our reflections on God. It's God revealing himself to us in a whole variety of ways, culminating in Jesus. And if that is so, this is a really, really important book, guys. One of the smartest writers of all time is a Russian by the name of Fyodor Dostoevsky. Ever heard of him? Crime and Punishment, Brothers Karamazov, a bunch of other really, really big, dense, deep books. 
Dostoevsky was a Jesus follower. And he said, my faith is not built on the arguments of logic. My faith is not built on reason. It's built on one thing. It's built on revelation. Mine too. Yours too, I hope. And why do I trust this as God's self-revelation? I'm going to give you a one-word simple answer. Jesus. I mean, we call this book The Word of God. And it is, kind of. But the Word of God is way bigger than this book. Did you know that? The Apostle John put it like this. He says, in the beginning, the Word already existed. Not this book. But in the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He existed in the very beginning with God. God created everything through Him. Nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created. His life brought light to everyone uh, else. The only one with the right to write a user's manual is the designer, the creator. How do we know what this is? John says, well, the Word became human and made his home among us for a time. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Jesus came into the world to show us the heart of the big G God. And he says, we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only, the Father's one and only Son. And guys, I wouldn't believe a syllable of those mind-blowing words if Jesus hadn't raised from the dead. But if this guy predicts his death and his resurrection and he pulls it off, I'm going to listen to him. John goes on to say, no one has ever seen God. He's transcendent. How could you? He's not part of creation. He's, he's creator. He's not creature. But the unique one, the Word of God, Jesus, who is himself God is near to the Father's heart, and he has revealed, revelation, God to us. So, John says, if you want to know the real big G God, you got to look at Jesus. you got to listen to Jesus. And that's what this book is all about. That's why it's so important to us. You see, guys, this doesn't contain man's reflections on what God must be like. It's about the different ways that God himself kept revealing himself to us all the way up through Jesus. It's about God himself stepping into our story. First of all, dropping all of these clues and then actually becoming one of us for a time. So we can really know who God is and how we're meant to live. We honor this word of God because we honor thee Word of God. Guys, I know God can reveal himself to a plethora, in a plethora of ways, but this is the clearest. This is the touchstone. This is trustworthy. If your understanding of God doesn't square with the Word of God, to be blunt, you're messed up. I really don't care what you want God to be. I don't care what I want God to be. I want to know what Jesus says about God. Because if you don't trust him, what? If you're going to reject God's revelation of himself, what in the world are you going to replace it with? Bottom line, guys, 
because of the word of God, talking about this Bible, which is the story of Jesus, the word of God, because of these things, I believe there is a God, an eternal, transcendent, omnipotent, omniscient, perfectly holy, perfectly good God. Do you? Because of the word of God, I actually believe that that big G God cares for me. And he cares for you personally. Do you believe that? Why? Because of the word of God, I believe that the big G God sent his own son into the world to save us, which means we need saving. Do you believe that? Because of the word of God, I believe that that big G God sends his spirit into the world, into us to guide us how to do life with God, for God, God's way. Do you believe that? And because of the word of God, I trust that God is with me when life is tough. And I trust that every good thing in my life is ultimately his gift. And because of the word of God, I trust that when this life is over, another one is coming. If I keep honoring the God who went to the cross for me. You see, guys, and this is the key idea for the week. I believe the Bible is the inspired word of God that guides my beliefs and my actions. Do you? Now, I'm going to come back towards the end of this service for part two. Right now, we need to stand up and honor our big G God, the one who is worthy of every song we could ever sing, who is worthy of every praise that we could ever bring, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. Let's worship our God. Worthy 
given us the word of God. We're to sum up all of the Bible in these. Basically, just love. Love God, love people. Whenever in your doubt, you're like, what is it that God wants me to do? Fight it in the work of Jesus Christ. Build on that foundation of love. Yes, I will.
I want to make sure that when we get these words today, they're going to be something that you're going to be able to remember. So even if it was a little bit more challenging to read earlier, I want to be able to hear, I believe the word of God guides my life. We say that, I believe the word of God guides my life. And whether it is that you're thinking about his word, the Bible, if you're thinking about Jesus Christ, remember that they all come from the same place. And Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. He's made promises to you.
believe it. I believe he gave sight to the blind. I believe that the dead came to life. I believe there were wonders and signs, and you're still the same. I believe every word that he said. I believe there are scars in your hands, that your goodness is good without end. You'll never change. wonders, sing of your grace, the God of creation knows me by name, the Lord is faithful yesterday, now and always, always, your mercy is mighty, age after age, and all generations will bow down. Have a seat for a second. 
I believe, I believe the word of God guides my life. It only does that when I let it guide my life. And I will tell you that I have spent many, 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 many years not letting it guide my life. I was guiding my life myself. And it was predictably bad. And I, I say this to, I mean, we just sang about all generations are going to say these things. And I'm certainly praying for that I, as I look out the generations that are represented here. But I'll tell you, as I speak to younger generations and they see within me how I'm supposed to be when it comes to looking like Jesus Christ and being like the word, I have failed miserably. And I'm so grateful for God's mercy that brings me back into this place and say, I want to be that way. And I want the same thing for the rest of this family. All generations that are being able to show Jesus Christ to the world. So the word that lives within us, that power with the name that comes because of Jesus Christ and what he can do within each of us if we let him do that. So I believe the word of God guides my life, and I'm going to let that happen. I want that same thing for each of you. We're about to come into a time of communion where we remember the work of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. And I know that when we do something over and over and over and over again every week, it seems like we can get into this mode where it's just kind of a, a predictable thing as, as well. It's just rote. It's just something that we just do. But I don't, want to be, I don't want that to be the case today. I want you to be thinking, again, that, G, that God himself sent Jesus to this earth to go through what he went through so that we can wear the name of Christ, so that we can represent him in this world. What he did on a cross is what we celebrate right now. And it didn't stop there. He died, but he was also resurrected. And this is what we celebrate every time we get together, this resurrection and what he has done for each of us. So when you go to the table, be reminded about what Jesus has done and why he did it for you. Be reminded that he would do it all over again. He stepped down from glory into this place to give you an example of what sacrifice and love really looks like. That's our foundation. So when you take the bread and the juice, you're reminded of his body and his blood. This place is your home and you want to give an offering today. That's what the black boxes are there for. We also have something that's pretty peculiar for other churches. This is a white, generous bucket. If you've got something beyond your offering that you want to give, that's the place to do it outside of that. So go ahead and stand up again. Let's go to the tables. Remember Jesus Christ.
Let me start off by relieving any anxiety you might have. This part is a whole lot shorter than the first. So if this really is the Word of God, if it's the story of God revealing Himself to us, why in the heck would you blow it off? Now, before I get there, I'm going to show you just a little bit more Babylon B. It's my favorite, right? There was this article. It was pretty good. 12 lesser-known benefits of reading your Bible. You need to go read the article. 12 good benefits. For example, things like this. If you finally read your Bible, your wife is finally going to be able to dust the shelf your Bible's been sitting on for 12 years. That's important stuff. Or, reading the Bible is actually better than therapy. It actually works better, too. Or this good one. This, is, this one's great. You now have a super spiritual excuse for hiding in your bathroom from your kids for 30 minutes. Just yell at them, go away, I'm reading the Bible. Right? Well, how can they argue? Now, there's also this one. Tw- Ten great excuses for not reading your Bible. And you can read all ten of them, but, you know, excuses like this. You went to church last month. You don't want to overdo it. You don't want to be looked at as a fanatic or an extremist, do you? Or, this one's good, you're watching The Chosen, and how can you enjoy the movie if you already know the ending? (laughs) Right? One more. Eight, where's the neck? There it is. Eight other uses for your Bible, since we know you're not reading it, you sinner. Right? And this one's great. It makes a great coffee shop Instagram photo shoot accessory. You ever seen those little pictures? You take an artistic photo of your Bible right next to your morning coffee and you add a sepia filter and you're just flat out spiritual, right? You can post that on your Facebook page. It makes you look good. One of the best ways to use your Bible um, is to take it on an airplane with you since then nobody will talk to you, right? And so just a bunch of reasons like that. Now, did you know that the Bible is the highest selling book in history and it's not even a contest? According to a 2012 study, they estimate that there have been about 3.9 billion copies of the Bible sold. Selected works of Mao Zedong come in second at about 820 million copies. Believe it or not, they have the works of Harry Potter third, about 400 million copies. Pretty clear winner. But, did you know that the Bible is practically worthless if you never crack it open? If you don't actually know what it says. It's the Word of God, guys. Shouldn't that be a big deal? But if you don't know what's in it, or if you don't do what's in it, it is practically worthless to you. Now, Did you know that the word Bible just simply comes from a Greek word, biblos, that just simply means a scroll or a book? You've probably seen it called the Holy Bible. Literally, that just means holy book. But did you know that the Bible is not actually a book? It's actually a library of books. Sixty-six books written by about 40 different guys over a span of about 1,500 years. Kings, shepherds, doctors, fishermen, prophets tradesmen, most of whom did not know each other personally, writing all kinds of different books, history books, poetry, genealogies, law, psalms, proverbs, theology, letters, biography, three different languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, on three different continents, Africa, Asia, and Europe, and yet their stories thread together, the story of a big G God revealing himself dropping clues in the Old Testament, 
than entering into our story in the New Testament as Jesus. A great old preacher by the name of Bed Merrill put it like this. He says, it's kind of like these 40 guys from all over the world who had never met. They show up at the same place on the same day and they bring all these different parts that they have and when fitted together, they make this single mind-blowing story. That's this. Our Bible is divided into two testaments, two covenants. That's what testament means. A testament is a covenant. Big G God telling us how to do life with Him. There's the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, which was only binding up until the time of Jesus, guys. Old Testament contains the story of creation, the fall of man, and the beginning of God's salvation work, how God was working to fix what we broke. And that Old Testament starts dropping all these clues that something different, something immensely bigger was coming. And then there's the New Testament, the New Covenant, our covenant with God which revolves around Jesus. The Old Testament points to Jesus. The New Testament revolves around Jesus because Jesus was the final revelation of the big G God to us. When we understand Jesus, we understand who God is. We understand who we are. We understand how we're supposed to live. It's kind of like the Old Testament's preparatory and the New Testament is the rest of the story. It's God's covenant with us. So I'm going to get really, really practical. Just some FAQs. In fact, if you want, you can get your phone ready, snap a couple of pics at the screens if you want, or you can go back and review a copy of the sermon on our website. There'll be a manuscript posted there. Do you need to read both Testaments? Do you need to read the Old Testament as well as the New Testament? Well, yeah, kind of. The New Testament is our covenant with God, so that should be our focus. But reading the Old Testament is useful for us too. In fact, the Apostle Paul put it like this. He said, all Scripture is inspired by God. That includes the Old Testament. In fact, he was talking about the Old Testament. All Scripture is inspired by God, and it's useful still to teach us what is true, to make us realize what's wrong in our lives, to correct us when we're wrong, and to teach us to do what is right. It's good stuff. You do not have to follow the laws of the Old Testament, but you can get a feel for the heart of God. Number two, do you need to read the Bible in order? Should you start in Genesis and read Revelation? You can, but it's hard. I wouldn't. Because the Bible is not a single book. It's a library of books, and they are not in chronological order. So if you just plow through the books of the Bible in order, it can get pretty confusing. Sometimes people try, try that. When they get two or three books in, get out all those laws and genealogies, they get stuck and put it up. In fact, one more Babylon B pick. Bible app implements a handy skip genealogies button. Wouldn't you love to have that button? Which version do you use? Which should you use? Well, to some degree, it depends on how old you are and what kind of reading you want to do. There are some Bibles out there that put the, the words into really, really, really simple English. I love those for our kids. For most adults, I would recommend the New International Version, or if you want a little easier reading, the New Living Translation. They're both great translations. This will probably annoy some of you guys, but the one I'd have you steer away from is the King James Bible. It's a great translation 400 years ago. 
hard for people to understand today because it's not written in our English. By the way, one more Babylon Bee clip. This one's just funny. Here you go, a new, where's the, where's the clip? We got stuck. Anyway, it says a new, less formal King Jim Bible has been introduced. No more these and thous, just bros and babes, right? Now, I threw that part in. That's not what they said. That's probably sexist. Now, I would encourage you to install and use a good Bible app on your phone. There are several out there that are great, but I would recommend the YouVersion Bible app put out by Life Church. It is amazing. 500 million copies of it on devices all around the world. You can access almost 3,000 different versions of the Bible in about 2,000 different languages. You don't need all of them. And it's free, without ads, easy to use. You'll always have your Bible with you. And by the way, if you want to have the Bible read to you, uh, download that thing there and just press the button and it'll read the Bible to you if you're in your car or something like that and just want to hear some Bible. It's great. And if you're working with your Bible on your computer, I would recommend Bible Gateway. I use it every week, nearly every day. If you're trying to study the Bible and you want to compare three, four, five different versions side by side, it's easy to do, and it's free. Where do you start when you read the Bible? If you're just looking at Jesus, you're not a Jesus follower yet, or maybe you're a new Jesus follower, I'd start in one of the Gospels, probably the Gospel of John. Simple, deep. And then I'd probably skip over to the Gospel of Matthew, which is the great teaching gospel of the church. If you've been through the Gospels, go to the book of Acts, kind of the history of the early church, great lessons for us there. And then as you want to go deeper, get into some of the letters. You might want to start with James. It's just good practical wisdom. Or get into one of the letters like Ephesians or Colossians or Philippians. If you want to go deep, Go to the book of Romans. If you're weird, go to Revelation. (laughs) How much do you read? I don't care. I really don't. For some of you guys, if you just read a verse a day, it would help you. It'd help you a bunch. In fact, I would suggest that you sign up for the version verse of the day. Every day, they'll send you a verse to ponder. It'll just keep your mind going back to the big G God, reminding you who you are. If you read a paragraph a day, that's cool. A chapter a day, that's cool. It's not about how much you read. It's about digging into the Word and letting the Word dig into you. This is huge. Because, guys, bottom line, it's the Word of God. And if it really is the story of the Word of God revealing God to Himself in Jesus, the craziest thing in the world would be to ignore this, just sit it on its shelf and ignore it. Why do so many just reject it? Bottom line, I think it's because a whole lot of people just don't want a God. They want their own kind of God. But guys, we're Jesus followers. And when God talks, we listen. All of us want to live a life that matters. All of us want strength when times get tough. All of us want to live the best life possible for now and for forever. Staying in this is part of how to get there. Let's get in the Word, guys. It's who we are. It's what we do. Now, before I let you go, just a couple of announcements, very, very quick. Tomorrow is Halloween. Isn't that cool? 
trunk or treat here at Cap City. We still need three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine trunks, as many as we can get, okay? We've got about 21, 22 trunks. We'd love to have a few more. If you can bring a trunk, we'll give you the candy to pass out. That'll be pretty cool. We also need a few people to help volunteer with some of the inflatables that we're going to have. So we still need some volunteers for our trunk treat. This coming Wednesday is our open forum. Two weeks from today, we're going to have our congregational meeting, which basically means we vote on our budget and we vote on the leadership for next year. If you have any questions, we've got packets out in the foyer. We've got a packet that, uh, for the uh, congregational meeting. We've got a packet that shows the missions that we support. Pick up those packets, look through them. If you have any questions, come Wednesday after our classes at 7.30 in the student sanctuary. You can ask whatever questions that you've got prior to our congregational meeting. And then in the month of November, we have our Feed the Need or feed the need. This is getting to a time when a lot of people are hungry. It's getting cold. It's coming toward the holiday season. We just support the food pantry here. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to be bringing in foodstuffs to support our food pantry. I believe that what happens next week, oh, I think it's on the, on the screen there, canned meat next week. Right? Stuff like tuna, um, tuna fish, canned chicken, canned beef, whatever you want. If you want to bring some spam, that's really cool. Love that. Okay. <laughs> Whatever you bring, we'll take over to the food pantry. It's just a good thing that we do every year. Finally, guys, thank you for coming, but for now, go away. <laughs> what I can do is all